You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Before we get to your calls, I have some distressing news for the centaur fetishists. And people in the mermaids and furries out there who are anxiously awaiting the results of genetic experiments that may provide them with the sex partners of their dreams. Senator Sam Brownback, religious conservative, wackadoodle, a former presidential candidate, has introduced a bill that would ban the production of animal-human hybrids by genetic scientists working in the United States. This is... Hilarious. I mean, I don't think that people should make animal-human hybrids. Uh, generally, I'm sort of opposed. But, you know, the Republicans are always saying that the government shouldn't be meddling in our private lives unless you're queer or you're a woman, you want an abortion, you want access to birth control. Otherwise, it shouldn't be meddling in your private life at all. You know, if you want to own an assault rifle in case an army of horny gay centaurs are charging your house to rape your whole family, you should own that assault rifle. There should be no limits on the weapons you can own. But, you know, if you own a human sperm cell and a horse egg and you figure out a way to combine those to make the centaur partner of your dreams, uh, the government should step in and prevent you from realizing that fantasy. Uh, and creating that life. Um, and I thought they were pro-life. I guess they're not pro-life. They're not pro-centaur life. They're not pro-mermaid life. They're not pro, you know, women with cheetah skin and big hairy tit life. They're humanist. I guess we have to make humanists like racist. Humanist means a good thing where I come from. But I think we need to mean, it needs to be right. Like they're anti-centaur. They're centaurists. They're, they're anti that fawn guy from Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, who I thought you'd, it's kind of hot, you know, for somebody with goat legs and twee tastes and interior design. I thought he was kind of hot. You know, I would have done him. I'm not sure what a goat penis looks like, but hopefully he didn't have a goat penis. Hopefully he was goat from the mid-thigh down. Anyway, I'm pro-freedom, and I think that people should have the freedom to uh, realize their centaur fantasies one day. Sam Brownback, however, is protecting us from that development because you know the healthcare thing is solved the wars are solved uh things are pretty peaceful and calm uh here in the united states and we can move on to less pressing threats like the coming of the gay centaurists this episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over eighteen thousand adult entertainment products for every lifestyle to receive 50 percent off most any item plus three adult dvds plus an extra gift plus free shipping visit adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout Hi, Dan. I love the show. So my girlfriend just uh, had a marshmallow she didn't want to eat. And so on a dare, she stuck it in my butt. And now I'm walking around with a marshmallow in my butt. And I'm wondering if I can get a yeast infection. Uh, also, what are the tech-savvy at-risk youth at risk of? I don't think you're really at risk of a yeast infection. I don't think guys get yeast infections in their butts. What you're at risk of is the world's worst s'more. But really, that's it. And what are the at-risk youth at risk of? Well, they're locked in a room with me at least once a week for several hours. And if that ain't risky, I don't know what is.
Hi. Um, I am a 30-year-old female. I'm very uh, sexually uh, satisfied. I have a great partner. We communicate fully about sex and about our relationship. And I feel, you know, I really appreciate all the comments that you say about, you know, just being open with your partner. And we definitely practice that all the time. My question is about um, autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, I am getting really turned on by the idea of getting choked while we're having sex and just not really sure whether or not if there's any way to do that safely, especially in light of what recently happened to David Carradine. And I um, don't know. We wanted to start to read a little bit about it and maybe go see a therapist about it. But I just wanted to submit a question to see is this something that we should just leave alone or is there even a possible way to do it and do it safely um, so that my boyfriend doesn't go to jail for hurting me? I'm just going to read you a little quote from SM101 by Jay Wiseman, who is a old-time player in the BDSM community. And uh, this quote comes to us via Mistress Matisse's column, Control Tower, which runs in The Stranger. About choking, he writes... I know of no way whatsoever that suffocation or strangulation can be done that does not intrinsically put the recipient at risk of cardiac arrest. I know of no reliable way to determine when such a cardiac arrest becomes imminent. If the recipient does arrest, the probability of resuscitating him or her, even with optimal CPR, is small. Don't do it. Choking, don't do it. He's got to wrap his hands around your throat. He's got to press. You've got little... Bits of this and that. You got arteries. You got little tiny bones. You got a voice box. You got things that are easily crushed. And, uh, you know, you don't want to, that's just a thing where you want to err on the side of not killing yourself or not having yourself accidentally be killed by your partner who will then go to jail for a very, very, very long time. Courts and juries don't smile on, uh, folks who accidentally kill their partners during sex acts. That said, there's always a that said when it comes to kinks on the, on the podcast and in the column. You can explore, as some BDSMers call it, breath control or breath play without choking, without the wrapping of hands around throats and the placing of pressure on arteries and veins and crapola that you don't want to place pressure on. Uh, you can get a gas mask. I know it looks a little bit more severe and extreme. And all he has to do to cut off your air and quote-unquote choke you is place his hand over the breathing uh, hole or apparatus uh, and suddenly you have no air and then he can just remove his hand gently. However, you are still running certain risks uh, engaging in that play. But, you know, you get to decide for yourself what risks you're willing to run. But you need to go in with eyes open. I recommend that you read SM101 by Jay Wiseman before you pursue this. Hi, Dan. I'm a 22-year-old straight female, and I was just wondering, I wanted your professional opinion. <clears throat> I wanted to know what you think about having a sugar daddy. I was thinking about it, I've been thinking about it, and I realized today I want a sugar daddy, and I just wanted to know if you think having a sugar daddy differs or is the same as prostitution. I thought about it, and I'm really confused about it. I'm like, oh, my God, please don't call me for a prostitution, because I, I, I don't really approve of that. But, um, yeah, I just wanted your professional opinion. What's the difference between prostitution and sugar daddy-ton? 
volume. A prostitute sees many clients. Someone with a sugar daddy sees just one. There's still money changing hands for sexual favors. Uh, that makes you a hooker. That makes you a hooker with a very tiny client list. You're still a hooker. So you're, you know, it, it's a less risky kind of prostitution. Uh, some people feel it's a more humane kind of prostitution, particularly if everything's above board. There are websites where you can volunteer your services. Uh, you can advertise that you're looking for a sugar daddy and sugar daddies can find you. For instance, seekingarrangement.com for elite uh, and an elite sugar daddy website for mutually beneficial relationships. Um, you're free to pursue this. And like I said, you know, someone with a sugar daddy who's taking money for sex is only taking money for sex with one person is running less risks than someone who sees uh, more clients. Uh, but don't look down your nose at prostitutes or prostitution if you're contemplating really getting into the same line of work. Hi, Dan. I'm a young woman in the New York metropolitan area, and I have a question for you about thongs. I don't wear them anymore because when I did wear them years ago when I was a teenager, I always felt like they gave me gas. And I have no idea if that's credible at all, if it's even possible for a thong to give you gas. But I was wondering if you've ever heard of this before, if other women complain about it. Let me know what you think. I've never heard of this before. Um, I think maybe you missed a correlation for causation. Maybe a few times you were wearing thongs when you were particularly gassy for some other reason, a burrito, who knows... And you came to associate the thong with the gas when the thong was a coincidence. Or perhaps you were just more conscious of passing gas when the thong was in your crack, neatly dividing every fart in half. Thank you for your call. Hi, Dan. This is Andrew. My question for you is, how can you ask a stripper if he's also a sex worker? I was at a club over the weekend, and there was this really hot stripper and I was curious to know if he was also a sex worker because I was willing just wanted to pay to see for them. So do you just ask directly? Is that rude? Strippers, of course, are a kind of sex worker, just like somebody in a sugar daddy relationship is a kind of hooker. But not all strippers do full sex work, do escorting. Um, but most strippers that I've known have fielded that question uh, often. Some of them were actually sex workers and they fielded that question. They were delighted to be asked because they wanted – that extra income. All you got to do is be charming and a little self-effacing about it and not presumptuous. Don't presume that because he's stripping, he's doing sex work because the strippers who strip and don't do sex work are annoyed by that presumption. And all you got to do is say kind of what I'm saying now. Hey, I don't want to assume that you do sex work just because you're a stripper. But if you do sex work, I'm, I'd love to hire you and then stuff a 20 in his jock if he's stripping at the time. Um, and if he does, he'll smile and say he does. And if he doesn't, he'll smile and say he doesn't. You can't offend most strippers if you put the question to them about sex work in a non-presumptuous way. Good luck. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift, plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I have a question about, um, about sex toys, or actually a sex toy in particular. Um, 
I got a call from my girlfriend at work. Uh, she got home to find that uh, a sex toy that I had left out to dry uh, had been peed on by one of my cats. Uh, it's one of those, um, it's like a jerk sleeve. Um, so the, the outer plastic shell is fine, but the inside had been peed on the, the inner sleeve part. Uh, so should I throw this out? Um, I spent, you know, a decent amount of money on it, certainly enough money to make me think that maybe I should think twice about just throwing it out because the cat peed on it. I guess, if I'm not mistaken, you're in a sterile, so that's that's not a problem, and it doesn't really smell like cat pee. I washed it out pretty vigorously. Um, but it still sort of bothers me. I can understand why you're having a hard time parting with the sex toy, considering the mental energy you've poured into contemplating whether or not you should get, get throw out this sex door. You really have examined this from all angles. Now, I'm examining it from the angle of Babeland.com's website where uh, sleeves don't really cost more than 25 bucks. I believe that you should err on the side of discarding a masturbatory device that you cat peed on. Call me squeamish. I realize urine is sterile. I've only ever had fielded that question about human urine. I don't know if cat urine's made out of nuclear waste and the Ebola virus. It could be, for all I know, and I'm not going to Google it. But I would throw it away anyway, just because it's gross. And I've always had a strict policy, personally, of never putting my dick in something that a cat has peed on, which is why I don't have sex with lesbians. Hi, Dan. My name is Kim, and uh, I've been married with my husband eight years. We have a great sex life. And my fantasy is to have him receive a blowjob from another guy. He is totally not receptive to that. Um, the reason I want him to do that is because I just think it would probably be a good blowjob. So is there any way that I could convince him, you think, for my sake? I mean, ideally, I would watch this. You want your boyfriend to get blown by a dude for entirely selfless reasons because you're convinced that that would be a great blowjob. You are the Mother Teresa of girlfriends, girlfriend. How giving of you. Shut the fuck up. You want him to get a blowjob from a dude because it would turn you on for him to get a blowjob from a dude because you're probably one of those women out there that thinks two guys going at it is hot. You're probably working on some Harry and Ron slash fiction right now because I couldn't get you on the phone so I assume you're banging out some Harry and Ron Harry Potter slash fiction if you presented it to him perhaps as something he could do for you instead of this gracious offer that you're making him because you have his best interests at heart maybe he'd come around maybe if it was a way for him to use his dick to turn your crank he might I doubt it but he might come around because you know what I think is really going on here? He doesn't want to get blown by a dude. And it wouldn't be a good blowjob because he doesn't want to put his dick in a dude's mouth. A lot of straight guys are capable of closing their eyes and thinking of Posh Spice or whoever they're thinking about these days and accepting a blowjob graciously from a gay guy or a bi guy or with enough alcohol, another straight guy, uh, and, and thinking about the woman, the woman that they wish was giving them the blowjob and enjoying just the sensations. A mouth is a mouth, as they used to say at St. Gregory the Great High School on the north side of Chicago. 
He's not one of those guys, your boyfriend. He's not capable of that. Craigslist is full of guys who are capable of that. There are lots of guys out there who will accept graciously a blowjob from another dude. There's some straight guys out there who will give graciously a blowjob to another dude. I've seen them with my own eyes in my own lap. He ain't the guy. So, you know, if you want to be with him, you may never have this fantasy fulfilled. If this fantasy of yours, which is about your turn on, not about your concern for him having the best possible blowjobs, which may or may not be given by gay guys. I've gotten some lousy blowjobs from guys. And, well, never mind. You might have to find somebody else to date. If he's if this fantasy is that important to you, he might not be the right guy for you. Go find a bi guy. They're out there. Just listen for the sound of people complaining quietly. Follow that like breadcrumbs to the bisexual guys. Hi, Dan. Um... I'm a 21-year-old girl active on the BDSM scene. Um, one of my friends recently told me something that I was shocked to hear, which is that not only do you have to be wary of STIs, but you also have to be wary of toy-transmitted infections. And I don't mean sex toys like dildos, like, duh. I mean... um you know, like impact play stuff, like whips, floggers, you know, the whole, all those fun BDSM stuff. Um, apparently, there are certain infections that can be transferred with those, through those. Um, so that means if you're at a play party and you're playing with one of your friends, do I have to start asking them, do you, how do you clean your toys? Or should I just say that maybe with strangers that I'm playing with? Hopefully I'm not playing with a lot of strangers. Um, so, yeah, I would appreciate your take on this. I want to know if you've heard about that. Thanks. If you're at a play party and somebody is beating the fuck out of someone with a flogger or a cane and there's blood on it, and then they turn around and beat the fuck out of you and open your skin and the blood of... Victim A comes into contact with the blood of victim B and is introduced into victim B's body. Yeah, you could get hepatitis. You could get all sorts of things. Um, Old sex toys that have been lying around for a while, you'll get cooties perhaps. But there's not a lot of bad little things that can hang out on a sex toy as it dries out in somebody's dungeon uh, in between play sessions. But yeah, you have a right to say – and a responsibility as a bottom to speak up for yourself before you submit about – uh, the risks you're willing to run, you should be your own advocate. You know, just you don't let some guy pick a filthy thing up off the floor and use it on you uh, or go from one person to the other with it. You have a right to say, I know you want to beat the fuck out of me because you're a sadist and I want you to beat the fuck out of me because I'm a masochist. But where's that been? When's the last time you cleaned it? You should say that. You should stick up for yourself. And if you're playing at group parties, if you're going to dungeons – or uh, BDSM community events. It's been my experience uh, with the BDSM community that there is sort of a hyper-awareness about hygiene and safety um, because so much – and it's partly a reaction to the perception in the wider world that the BDSMers do unsafe, unhygienic things, so they kind of overcompensate perhaps, blah, blah, blah. But you should speak to the dungeon master or the person running the party. Uh, You should never go alone and – be put in a position where you can't uh, defend yourself. You should have somebody there with you who may not uh, be tied up at the same time or isn't getting tied up at the same time who can keep an eye on what's being done to you if you're blindfolded and you can't keep an eye on it yourself, 
blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you should definitely stick up for yourself and inquire. Just ask. Ask the guys who top you. Ask the people running whatever play parties you're going to about how toys are sterilized and uh, what their hygiene procedures are. Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old straight female. And the guy that I'm seeing, well, we've decided that we want to have a three-way with another female. And we don't know how to find the third-party candidate. We don't really want to do it with anyone that we're mutual friends with or friends with or people that we see on a regular basis. We don't want to hire anyone from Craigslist, but we're very curious and we're definitely interested in this. And we're just wondering if you could offer any advice on where to find the third person um, to be part of this three-way. I know usually it happens by chance and by random encounter, but um, I don't know. We're definitely interested and we would love some help. I'm sorry. What was your, what was your question? Oh, the female third for the three-way, the fucking question that's carved into the goddamn Rosetta Stone. The er question, the question that we sex advice columnists tire of because we get it so often. Uh, and people rule out in their question usually the two best ways to find that third, which is someone you know or someone you hired. Really outside of those two universes, what the fuck is there? Someone you invented, someone you made up, an imaginary friend. What people want is somebody who's not at all a threat to the relationship. So somebody who you know blasted in from Mars and is heading back to the space station tomorrow uh, or someone who's going to evaporate when it's all over uh, and is completely STD free and safe and sane and blah, blah. That woman does not exist. Maybe if you guys hang out in bars enough and get drunk enough, one night you will run into somebody in a hotel bar or at a club who will flirt with your boyfriend and your boyfriend will say, that's my girlfriend, but we'd be up for it. And after the thousandth time you've had that exchange where he's flirted with somebody and then popped the uh, scenario, you'll meet a girl who's down with it. But you'll be 80 by the time that happens. What you have to do, you really have no choice, is to approach people that you know and like and feel comfortable with and safe with and approach them in a non-threatening, non-creepy way. And yes, it's possible. Or hire. That's it. Those, that's the only way to do it. You might get hit by lightning. Maybe you're out one night. You'll meet some drunk chick. You'll take her home. But maybe that drunk chick will be fucking bonkers. And the next day she'll burn your house down. You never know, right? Better to, if you're going to bring somebody into your bed and you want some assurance of sanity and safety, it'd be someone you vetted because you fucking know them. Or, as they say with prostitution, you don't pay for the sex. You pay them to go away after the sex. A final suggestion. If you read the personal ads on any website and any newspaper that still has them, you will see the ads, scores of them, from you guys, from couples looking for the third, for the the mythical third, for the unicorn lady who you don't know and you didn't have to pay who's going to evaporate when it's all over. And they're never, they never find them. These, these ads go unanswered. I know this from having run a personal section for a while. They never get an answer. I have a suggestion for these couples who are – advertising looking for the third why not get together and swap ladies so you got couple a man and a woman looking for a single female to have their three-way and you got couple b man and a woman looking for the single female to have their three-way eternally frustrated because that single female isn't 
perusing the personal ads and looking to volunteer to be treated like a box of Kleenex by the side of the bed. Weird. Why don't these two couples get together and one night the lady from couple B visits couple A at their house and the next night the lady from couple A visits couple B at their house and everybody had their girl, girl, boy three-way and everybody's happy. Hi, Dan. I live with my boyfriend. We're broke and um, we need some extra money. I work full time, so I really don't have any time to pick up a second job. I don't even think I could find one even if I wanted to. Um, And my boyfriend's having a lot of trouble finding a job as well. So he decided in desperation that maybe he can do a little something on the side, um, meaning prostituting himself. Now, Obviously, women are not going to pay him to do this, so obviously he would have to, you know, have men pay him to do things. And I'm not completely against the idea, um, unless he's completely against the idea, which he doesn't seem to be. Um, I'm just more concerned about what this would actually entail, other than the obvious things, um, what the not-so-obvious dangers are, and kind of how to get into it. And I thought maybe you would know. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. How's the boyfriend? How much? I mean, I mean, how much for the boyfriend? <laughs> oh, God. I thought I'd break That's... it in myself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not... Um... I have actually a really funny story about that. Oh, what is that? An update? Um, kind of. So, he didn't end up doing anything, but I found this ad on Craigslist for some 46-year-old man who wanted to watch the two of us have sex for $1,000. And I was strongly considering it. And then I think I just decided that I'm not all that into sex work anymore. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I don't don't really know if I have a question anymore, but I'm still kind of curious if you know anything about it that you can uh, tell me, because it's definitely an interesting subject. Is your boyfriend still contemplating doing sex work? Um, yes and no. Like, he keeps insisting that he does it, Um, (laughs) I guess because he wants to make money and and contribute, but I'm I'm kind of against it just because I know that he's not interested in men. So, are you, um, and you have a right, you know, for health reasons and safety reasons to object. Uh, somebody who's in a couple who decides to go into sex work really does need the buy-off of their regular partner. Right. So yeah. I think you should have veto power here, and there are risks he will run. Um, with male sex work, though, uh, guys servicing guys, there's a lot of insanely kinky guys out there who, you know, if your boyfriend has some special gift, and I don't mean a huge uh-huh. dick a la Hung on HBO, I mean, if he has size 15 feet, he could rent them out and not do anything more dangerous than have, you know, come home with some gay football saliva all over his toes. And, and make I, can't, I can't think of anything. That's a good idea, though. But, you know, if He's you... Here. Should I ask him if he has any talents? You should ask him if he has any talents or affinities. You know, there's a lot of people out there who do uh, domination work because that doesn't involve uh-huh. actual physical sex or sexual contact, although it can be sort of an emotional roller coaster uh, for folks, particularly folks who have uh-huh. a, a flare for it or aren't into it and then have yeah. to, uh, you know look into the darkest uh, recesses of humanity and wind up being a little scarred by that. Um, but, but you know, there are places he can go if he wants to do sex work that don't involve any risk to you. Do you think the internet is a good choice or no? Do some research. I don't, 
I don't know. You know, I've, 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 I know people who've done sex work and emerged unscathed. I know people uh-huh. who've done sex work and been really damaged by it. I know people who've managed uh-huh. restaurants and emerged unscathed. I know who've managed restaurants and emerged addicted to cocaine. And so, right, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I think the risks are greater for doing sex work. Where are you? Are you in a video arcade or something? No, I'm sitting in my apartment. I guess my it's just kind of loud. It is. Um, yeah, there are cars moving like by today. Work going on in your apartment right now. <laughs> always, always. What do you live in a big um, city or a small city? I live just outside of a fairly big city. Okay. Um, the bigger so the city, the bigger the, not a problem. The bigger the city, the bigger the gay community. The bigger the gay community, the likelier there will be a pool of fetishists who your boyfriend could serve in some specialty way that wouldn't involve sex. You know, if he's yeah. thinking about being a male prostitute in a city of 10,000, he's not going to be able to be very choosy about what he does and doesn't do if he wants to make money. If he lives in New York City, right. he can just see the foot fetishes and break it in because there's so many. Mm-hmm. Because right. the city's so big. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I would urge him not to do, not to get fucked for a living. Yeah, I don't, I just, I don't, I'm not even all that concerned with um, health or safety. I guess I am, obviously, but um, more more so I'm concerned. I don't want him doing something that he's just naturally not all that into for money. Um, I feel like it would be different for me to have sex with men for money because I, I can do it on my own and enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just, I guess I have a problem with sex work when it's it's kind of forced on someone. I mean, if someone well, makes a choice know, people out there doing to do it, then it's not so bad. Who, there are people out there doing sex work who are having sex with, you know, people who are of the gender that they're typically attracted to, that they are, mm-hmm. in those individual instances, repulsed by. And that can be as traumatic as crossing the right. sexual orientation divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but only he can determine what his comfort level is. I think it's revealing that you made the call, not him. Yeah, it's. I think, I don't know why I called, I guess. Um, I guess it just was such a strange idea to me, um, but I wasn't really sure how to feel about it. Because um, I'm not, I'm not just like, you know, morally opposed to it, and, um, but it's just. I don't. I don't really know. I, I guess you're right that if he doesn't come out, uns- if he doesn't come out damaged, if he doesn't feel like he's going to come out emotionally traumatized, then it's his choice. Um, and there are certainly people. I mean, I've met a lot of the kinky people in my city, and I'm so I'm sure plenty of them would would enjoy him. But I guess like logistically, I don't know how that would really work. Places like Rentboy.com. You put up your own website. Oh, you okay. say what you're willing and not willing to do. You post some pictures. And mm-hmm. you attract some clients. It's not uh, okay. rocket science. Sounds interesting. Thank you. Sure thing. Bye. Hi, Dan Savage. I'd like to comment, um, maybe provide a little bit of uh, uh, another perspective on the advice that you gave the young woman that was, and she was a virgin, and so was her husband. Um, I had a perspective. Your advice that you gave her, I, I agree with, but it also could work out pretty well. Um, I also was a virgin until I got married. It wasn't for religious reasons. It was much to much to the fact that I guess due to the fact that I resemble Woody Allen more than uh, it wasn't by lack of trying is what I'm trying to get at. And we've been married 20 years uh, this year, and we've had a very you know satisfying sex life. We we went into it uh, like you said, not knowing what we were getting into, but. 
you know, we found that over the last 20 years, we've, we've been able to work on it, and we've been able to, to, to build it into something that's very mutually satisfying for both of us. And I just feel like the advice that you gave that young woman was that, that she was making a big mistake. And I just wanted to, to counter that advice and say that although it's, it's likely that that would happen, it, it doesn't happen in every case. And I would argue that uh, the chances aren't any better or any worse uh, for two people that are going into it as virgins. Uh, the big advantage to that is, of course, like I said, you can. Uh, there's no baggage coming into the relationship. There's no uh, expectations. There's no comparing uh, uh, of lovers in the past to the current. Uh, so while I, I, I guess I agree that you're taking a chance, you also, in a committed relationship like that, where you're both, both virgins, you have a, a tremendous opportunity to work together to make a satisfying relationship. And it sounds like that's what she's trying to do. You know, she's calling your show to ask advice, and, and it just sounds like her, her, uh, her goal is to please her partner, and that's a, that's a very good uh, way to approach it. And I think as long as he approaches it the same way, uh, their sex life has every bit as chance of, of being satisfying as somebody that went into the marriage relationship without being virgin. Thanks for the show. Love to love to listen to it every every time I get a chance. Thanks very much for your call, and I don't really disagree with anything that you had to say except these parts of your call. Uh, you know, you say the chances no better or no worse. If you marry as virgins, then if you don't, uh, when it comes to establishing a, a healthy sexual relationship. And uh, your perspective may be skewed by the fact that you married as a virgin and have a healthy functioning sexual relationship after doing some work. My perspective may be skewed in that I have a healthy functioning uh, sexual relationship and my partner and I married when we were definitely not virgins. Um, what you do have a better chance, though, of establishing if you have sex before marriage is basic sexual compatibility. Uh, you lucked out. Uh, you and the wife either were sexually compatible or achieved through effort and time, uh, arrived at a place of sexual compatibility and more power to you. And I think that's great. Um, but people can be so fundamentally on different pages sexually. Uh, their interests can be so divergent that no amount of work can drag them to the place uh, that you and your wife has have arrived at. Also, you talk about... Marrying as virgins uh, really gives you an opportunity to work together to establish a good sexual relationship. Well, marrying as not virgins also gives you that opportunity. There are a lot of people who come together. Most people, the vast and overwhelming majority of people who marry are not virgins when they marry uh, and are not intimidated by past sexual experiences or being compared to past uh, partners and their genitals or efforts or skills or whatever. Um, most people don't have that hang up. Otherwise, most people wouldn't be married or in relationships at all since most people aren't virgins when they arrive at the altar. But thanks very much for your call. I appreciated your insight. A little bit of personal business before we wrap up the show this week. Timothy LaFollette is the lead singer of The Popovers and they're the band that created uh, of their own volition and sent us the, the track that we ended up using as our intro music and our outro music. And a bit ago, uh, Tim was diagnosed with ALS, with Lou Gehrig's disease, which just fucking sucks. It's a terminal degenerative motor neuron disease that is going to eventually rob Tim of all voluntary movement and in all likelihood take his life. And just because uh, the cosmos is cruel, the same disease took Tim's mother and grandmother both in 1982 
Tim's friends, and we count ourselves ourselves among their number, have created an organization called Often Awesome, which is how people have always described Tim. Uh, and they want to help Tim in his fight against LAS and help him celebrate all the days that he has left on this earth and all the days that his friends have left with him. Uh, you can help by going to their website, www.oftenawesome.org. You can click on donate and there are options there for anyone who wants to help Tim out or send him a message. And you can join Tim's Facebook group, Often Awesome. Or if you're in the Greensboro, North Carolina area on Friday, August 14th, that's Friday of this week, you can come to see Tim's old band, Kudzu Wish, performing a final reunion show. It'll be at the Blind Tiger Bar on the corner of Walker Avenue and Elam Street, Friday, August 14th at 9 p.m. It's an often awesome benefit, and it will be an amazing night. So please, if you're there, turn out, uh, show Tim your love and support. And if you're not in Greensboro, North Carolina, please spend some time over at www.oftenawesome.org. Speaking of the popovers, there they are now. There's their music now. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call for a future program, please leave a callback number in case we want to chat with you live and on the show and in person. Um, You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the savage love letter of the day. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.